Hello, everyone, and welcome to the IPA Board of Pharmacy What, Why, and How podcast, where we discuss what action the Board of Pharmacy took at today's meeting, why they took that action, and how that affects your practice. I am joined today by two special guests. Let me first introduce myself. I don't want to forget to do that. My name is Casey Fisak. I am IPA's Vice President of Public Affairs. But now that we got that out of the way, let me introduce my two very special guests. Uh, first, Sue Mears from the Board of Pharmacy. Thanks for joining us again today, Sue. You bet. And uh, a familiar voice from Podcast Pass, uh, Anthony Pudlow. Thank you for joining us, Anthony. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Actually, I did the last one too, but it's okay. Okay, well, <laughs> I, uh, I was out of the office at the time for all our loyal listeners, and I'm sure that uh, they missed it, missed it a lot. But uh, we'll just move on from that. How about that? <laughs> uh, Sue, for once, I can say that today's agenda was not terrible. And when I say not terrible, I just mean relatively shorter compared to uh, some of your previous meetings. So I'm sure Indeed. that was some welcome relief. Yeah. But we are still going to talk today about what the board, uh, what actions the board took today. Uh, right at the top of the agenda is probably one that I'll mostly handle, but the board did vote to uh, support IPA's bill uh, at the legislature this year, as you're probably aware from maybe some news coverage. The 2021 legislative session did kick off this week. Um, this has been uh, at least since I've been with IPA, something that we've done is present our legislation to the board and the board discusses the merits and decides if they want to direct uh, board representatives such as Andrew Funk, the executive director, to register in favor of the bill. And so yesterday IPA uh, presented on the bill. Uh, many of you might be familiar with this legislation. Uh, it's something we've pursued in years past, but uh, essentially what it does this year is it conforms Iowa law to some of the HHS guidance that's uh, been out there, particularly around immunizations. So allowing pharmacists to prescribe immunizations to adolescents ages three and up. It also includes provisions that would allow pharmacists to order and administer uh, point of care testing and treatment for flu and strep and COVID-19. Um, so that would be done under statewide protocols, which uh, as you're all probably aware, are developed by the board in consultation with the Iowa Department of Public Health. Those are sort of the two components that we've pursued in years past, but this year we've also incorporated a, another bill that was out there last year, which would establish collaborative practice authority in the Iowa code. Um, and sort of the, the kicker there, and Sue is familiar with this, is that there's currently nothing in the Iowa code that establishes the authority for pharmacists to enter into collaborative practice agreements, but there are board rules. And so uh, you're I think it's been sort of a common sentiment from the board and IPA that we'd like to update those rules sometime. And this is sort of our pathway to do that and ensure that there's a clear authority in the code for the board to update new rules, which allow pharmacists to enter into collaborative practice agreements with all prescribers and for all patient populations. So sort of a, a three component bill. And uh, I don't want to speak for the board, but it seemed like there's a lot of support from the board and they did vote in support of it. So uh, when that bill drops, hopefully soon here um, at the legislature, uh, the board will register in support of it. So that pretty much covers it. I don't think there's much more to add on top of that, but IPA certainly appreciates the support of the board and feel uh, I feel good about our chances this year. I know I say that every year, but certainly 
in light of the pandemic and, and what we've seen pharmacists do on the front lines and stepping up to serve their patients, uh, there's been a lot of positive feedback from legislators and, and members of the public as well about the need to ensure that our pharmacists can practice at the top of their license. So I'm glad we are back up at the Capitol and are, uh, are pushing hard to get this across the finish line. Well, now that I'm done talking, uh, I will maybe turn it over to you, Sue, to talk about a legislative update from the Board of Pharmacy. Certainly, yep. So like Casey said, the session kicked off on Monday. Um, and if you recall from prior meetings, um, <clears throat> the board did vote to um, submit a couple of bills um, that hopefully will be introduced and considered by the legislature this year, one relating to uh, pharmacy practice, um, primarily how it would impact pharmacies um, really would be the, um, the elimination of the one year limit on a tech trainee registration and will allow the board um, to um, either make that a longer period or allow a tech trainee to renew for an additional year if they're still trying to um, achieve certification. Um, and then also delegation of technical functions. Um, the board is suggesting a little bit more general um, language relating to delegation to give pharmacies a little bit more flexibility in delegating functions. Um, so um, those have not yet formally been introduced in the, into the legislature. So hopefully those will be soon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, the other bill that the board introduced or um, is hoping to get introduced um, relates to the Controlled Substances Act and um, just really does two basic things. It permanently schedules some of those substances that have been temporarily scheduled through rulemaking in this interim period since the last session, um, and then makes a lot of changes that are just simple changes to completely match the federal CSA. Um, so that one is still at the code editors being reviewed for edits and hopefully that will be available to the legislators to consider um, introduction soon. Um, the other thing that the board considered yesterday during the meeting um, was some proposed regulations that were um, released by the DEA. Um, and so this is something that I'm hoping that we can do a little bit more regularly when the DEA publishes proposed regulations to have the board look at it and you know, formalize comments and submit on behalf of the board um, if there are any issues that they think they, they might recognize in some proposed regulations. Because the, you know, the same holds when the board publishes rules for notice of intended action, they welcome comments, you know, including if it's in support of, right? So, you know, the board wants to know if there's anything that they're missing in the proposed rules. So, I, you know, hopefully the DEA is the same situation. So we'd like to be more active in that process at the state level. Um, so the, the regulations that the DEA proposed um, recently are in response to the 2016 CARA Act um, that um, allowed the partial filling of C2 prescriptions at the request of the patient or the prescriber. So the proposed regulations get a little bit more in the weeds on that, um, that law and provide more information about how that has to happen. Um, so a couple of things that were identified as maybe things that could be maybe worded a little bit better or some suggestions um, included the, a component where uh, the proposed regulations are saying that if the prescriber wants that partial fill, that the prescriber would have to have that indicated on the prescription at the time of issue. Um, 
So it would seem maybe a little bit more appropriate to allow the pharmacist to consult with that practitioner. Maybe there's something about the patient that the practitioner isn't aware of, right? And so it, it would seem appropriate to allow the pharmacist to consult with the prescriber, recommend a partial fill, and if the practitioner agreed with that, have that be something that the pharmacist could edit that prescription or add to that prescription um, prior to filling it. So that's a recommendation or suggestion that we'll be submitting. Um, and then the other relates to, um, from the patient perspective of making that request, the DEA regulation um, is making it explicitly clear that they expect that um, request only to come from the patient, no other member of the patient's household. Um, and so a suggestion that we'll be submitting is that sometimes the patient isn't in that capacity to make that decision and make that request. And that um, the patient may have a caregiver, you know, maybe the patient's a child or an adult dependent um, who has a medical power of attorney. Um, and it would be more appropriate for that caregiver to be making that determination and making that request. So we'll be requesting or suggesting that they add language that it can be patient or the patient's caregiver um, giving that request at the time of the fill. Um, and I guess I'll just, this is an action that the board took yesterday, um, but just a reminder, um, as we're talking about proposing rules and you know the importance of submitting comments, um, the board did have a couple uh, proposed rulemakings that were um, filed, the board voted on at a previous meeting and were filed, and they will actually publish today um, in the, the bulletin. Um, so be on the lookout today for a press release from the board um, that gives summary of what these two rulemakings do and they're rulemakings that relate to chapter three for technicians and chapter five for pharmacy support persons. Um, and the press release, um, like I said, will give a summary of what the rulemakings do, but then also will include a link to take you right to uh, rules.iowa.gov to that publication so that you can submit public comments. And the board um, does welcome comments, whether it's a suggestion for an improvement on the regulation, or if it's just in support of that you agree with these proposed changes. Those, those are also welcome comments that typically the board only gets those comments if you have a disagreement with the rule or something that you would suggest better. But the board also um, would love to hear that um, if you support that rulemaking um, so that the board can be assured that they're on the right path, um, that's also appreciated. So be on the lookout for that press release today and I encourage you to submit comments. That's all I have. Great, thank you, Sue. Just a couple points. I think it's a great idea for the board um, to sort of keep an eye out on some of those DEA rulemakings and um, provide that input, especially from the state level. I know it's probably common practice among a lot of our national partners who have, you know, regulatory staff members that watch out for those things. But I think from a state perspective, it's good to have that, you know, firsthand approach and firsthand knowledge and, and provide those comments. And I think they sound like common sense proposals uh, or common sense comments. Uh, that's a mouthful, but yeah. uh, from the board. So that that's great to hear. And then I just want to echo what Sue said about providing public comments. Uh, you know, it might seem like, uh, as Sue mentioned, you're only going to comment if, if it's something that you oppose or uh, might not agree with. But I can say from firsthand experience that at least as far as the Board of Pharmacy goes, they take those comments into consideration. Mm -hmm. uh, they discuss them and you guys make changes when comments come in from the public. I mean, that's 
that's part of what you do. And I think you take that job very seriously. So uh, certainly would encourage everyone to, to heed Sue's words and um, stay on the lookout for those rules. IPA does have a, a resource, uh, sort of uh, our next iteration of the law manual, but uh, we have a, now have an online uh, resource called the Iowa Law and Information Center. And uh, there's a regulatory tracker on there, I guess is where I'm going, that keeps these rules updated. And um, once they're open for comment, uh, tracks all that information and effective dates. So sort of the uh, what we saw as a real-time way to allow uh, members to engage on pending rulemakings as they happen. So certainly uh, utilize those tools if that's something you're interested in. I am now going to uh, turn it over to Anthony. I've been calling Anthony lately our vaccine czar here at IPA because he has been all over the distribution process. Uh, whether he's enjoying that process or not, I can't, uh, I can't state, but I, I do know he's tracking this uh, as closely as anyone at IPA and, and really uh, has been on top of every piece of news or information that has come out. So Anthony provided the board uh, sort of with a I don't want to say all things COVID update, but really targeted on uh, the vaccine distribution process and some of the antibody treatments. But Anthony, I thought it'd be helpful to have you on today and just maybe provide a, a short sort of synopsis of, of the update you gave to the board today and anything else you might think would be helpful for, for those listeners. Yeah, thanks, Casey. Um, great to be back on the podcast again. And uh, yeah, I agree. I, I think the the, the goal of, of, of having the discussion at the board meeting today was really is, I think many listeners are having, there's, there's just questions constantly in the news. If, if you skip a day or a week of paying attention to it, you've missed a lot. And so um, I would just say, you know, today was just kind of a, a moment in time to really um, have open and active dialogue with the Board of Pharmacy. Um, as many people can imagine, IPA and the board have been um, really, it's, it's been a tag team effort between the board staff, the IPA staff, um, to really try to address every issue as it relates to the COVID-19 vaccines, as well as the treatment options that are out there. So um, I, I would just say a lot of the dialogue was just, um, as many can imagine, the, the questions and concerns about the priority groups, the, the vaccine um, a, a distribution in terms of the numbers of vaccine available and where and how people are getting access to it. So we, we had a lot of great dialogue on that regard. Um, I know I informed the board um, that, you know, just this past week, the Department of Public Health released a, a more, just a, an introductory dashboard as it relates to vaccines. So if you've not checked out coronavirus.iowa.gov, lately, you can go onto that website and click on vaccine administration and see, um, I think it's uh, three times a week that the, the state will update that dashboard to show how many um, Iowans received the vaccine, how many completed the two-dose series, as well as the counties and the distribution of where, where and how those individuals have been vaccinated. So I think um, that's a great just starting point that we've really um, seen from the state to really help guide where and how we really start seeing the light at the end of the tunnel of this. But otherwise, I think there's just a lot of active dialogue about some of the monoclonal antibody treatments and some of the questions, concerns around um, the use of it, or maybe even the, 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 the lack of use of it, um, as it seems like there is quite a bit of inventory on hand across our hospitals and, and, and 
um, home infusion facilities that have access to that and how do we get providers to be better educated as well as patients um, on, in terms of what that treatment means um, if you get diagnosed with, with COVID-19. So, so really great dialogue. I, I know we continually have great presence from, from Andrew Funk, the executive director on IPA's Connecting Over COVID-19 webinar series. So we've always been very appreciative of the collaboration from Andrew and the rest of the staff. Um, so, you know, that, that's probably all I would say. I would encourage every, anybody, if you have other questions, we do a great job that, that we can um, to update our coronavirus um, website and just keep pushing out as much information, um, relevant information as, as we get access to it. So, so yeah, um, Casey, that was kind of the goal. And I, I just, I, I was really pleased with the dialogue with the board and um, it was, it was a good conversation. Great. Thanks, Anthony. And uh, yes, I think uh, if there's anything we've learned over the past year, it's that the collaboration between the board and IPA and all of our pharmacy stakeholders in the state uh, is, is really a strong relationship and I think benefits the entire profession. So I guess if I could wrap it up on one note, it's that it's, you know, this dialogue and communication is always appreciated. Well, that is all I have on my list today. I uh, want to thank Sue and Anthony for joining us uh, again. Look forward to the next meeting in March, March 9th and 10th, it looks like is scheduled. So you will hear from uh, at least myself and probably Sue, if I can get her to keep agreeing to come on and do this with us uh, again guess. in March. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you and uh, look forward to uh, talking with you all again come March.